0: Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're
1: listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fink. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Takeaways Podcast here brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and on VegasNation.com. We are presented to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today. And joining me today, I have Matt Holder, who self describes himself as weirdly obsessed with football, <laughs> silver, and black pride. Uh, you can also catch him uh, from Bleacher Report and the Scout Academy. He was a graduate of there. So, spnation.com with Matt Holder. So, Matt, Thank you so much for coming on here and taking the time to join me today.
0: Absolutely. Heidi, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
1: I am super excited to have you. I loved uh, reading all of the different things that you bring insight to, particularly when it comes to the offensive line with the (laughs) Raiders. You've done so much work on that and in depth. And as we know, there's been some movement with that. The Raiders getting their initial 53 man roster out and Alex Leatherwood, not a part of that. What was your initial reaction when you found out that Alex Leatherwood had been waived by the Raiders?
0: You know, it's it's funny how the whole thing played out. You know, I felt like obviously there was some, you know, rumors and speculation going into the weekend. But then when I felt like when uh when Brandon Parker got put on injury reserve, I thought Leatherwood was gonna be safe. And then on Monday, like the rumors about him getting traded or released just didn't seem to start. I'm like, this is not good. Um obviously I ended up with him getting released and eventually picked up and claimed off waivers by the bears, which helps the Raiders out a little bit cap-wise. But I mean it's it's frustrating because you go back and look at it you go back and look at the the john gruden era as a whole and the mike mayock era era as a whole and it's nothing but first round reaches in the in the in the draft and alex leatherwood is the one that couldn't even make it two years so i think that's kind of for me it was just you know going into the draft i think i talked about this on you on the radio the other day where i you we knew coming into the draft that alex leatherwood's problem were going to be in pass protection and we knew he had x flaws and and the nfl he had ended up having the same one so it's frustrating for me to watch that and you know think about all the other draft classes and and see that um uh, them continue to make the same mistakes over and over again but at the same time it is nice to have the new regime and basically have them say that we're not going to keep make we're not going to keep uh running the uh, the, uh, the definition of insanity right here and you know start start to make a make some changes and kind of send a signal to the locker room a little bit too that no one's safe and doesn't really matter where you get drafted
1: As to that, it's been kind of interesting to see the various undrafted free agents that have been signed to the Raiders roster. Which of those uh, four, excuse me, from Sam Webb to Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, uh, have you been most impressed with that you've seen come along with the Raiders?
0: Um, I think this year it's been Luke Masterson. You know, he's a guy that was is uh his last year at Wake Forest ended up converting a linebacker from safety, so he's been learning a new position. You can see the coverage skills um in the preseason, highlighted by that interception he had of Mac Jones, which was honestly probably one of the one of not even one of his biggest highlights in coverage uh, this preseason. Kind of a little bit of a gift from Mac Jones there, but um, you know, I think just seeing him develop and seeing him grow, and you know, thinking about the potential he has. Like I said, he's kind of still kind of learning the position and we've already seen him play so well and obviously play well enough to make the roster, which is uh, something he can hang his hat on. Um, Definitely needs to get a little bit better against the run, a little bit stronger, but a great start to an NFL career that um, started as an office and undrafted free agent for sure.
1: Right. Another guy that I've been curious with his trajectory is Jermaine Illuminor, who has kind of bounced around. Josh McDaniels had some familiarity with them. In fact, before you answer that, let's hear from Josh McDaniels right now on his thoughts about Jermaine Illuminor and how much he's developed.
2: He didn't, you know, come to us as a rookie, um, you know, and 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 get to develop underneath our system right away. And so he came from a different place. Um, you know, and so learning our Techniques and our system and those types of things was a little different for him. Uh, the way we try to do things, the way we try to work um, at those things was a little different. Um, but he's really um, he's grown every year that I've known him, you know, and really matured. Um, he's a good teammate. Uh, really has changed his overall. Uh, approach to work uh, in the off season and the way he handles his body, his diet, um, you know, so uh, just proud of what he's been able to accomplish and what he's been able to do. Uh, he's improved each year. Um, clearly, he, you know, it's not easy to play four spots, you know, and he did that in the preseason, you know, across the ball, right tackle, left tackle, right guard, left guard, you know, that's not an easy burden to, to carry. So, um, you know, no, he deserves a lot of credit for his development and growth. And, uh, I'm excited that we get to continue that together.
1: Matt, what have been your impressions after hearing there from Josh McDaniels and just hearing what he has to say about the potential and what he's seen out of Jermaine Illuminor?
0: Oh, I think with the Illuminor, my biggest issue has always kind of been even going back to it with the last year. It's just his feet. I don't know if his, he's got the, the footwork to to hold down the edge and to hold up against the, a lot of the speed rushers in the NFL, but I mean, right now, I think he's definitely been been the clear favorite to um been the clear favorite to win the start at right tackle job, especially with uh you know the two guys in front of him no longer being on the roster, and you know like Josh McDaniel's was saying, like he was talking about, it sounds like Luminor is doing all the right things, working on his diet, working on his conditioning, all that's going to help him um you know fix some of the flaws. So that's definitely good to hear. I mean, we'll see how it comes. He's going to have a big test week one, I'm sure. There. The Chargers are going to look at the Raiders offensive line and put both Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the right side, probably a lot at the same time too. Um, so he'll, he'll be uh, get a little baptism by fire here and we'll find out pretty quickly what Jamaica Luminore's got. But definitely a guy that if he can get his feet down, if he can, you know, be a little bit leaner and be a little bit faster on the edge, that can help him out a lot and end up being a, a serviceable at least right tackle for the for the Raiders this season.
1: What are your thoughts in that case on Thayer Munford who returned to practice today? I wanted to get your take on the seventh rounder that seems to have some solid starting potential as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I actually uh, have an article coming out doing some film study on uh, Thayer Munford. It's probably gonna be out by the time this, this airs. I should think it's going to release on uh, Thursday, but you know, I I think there's a lot to like about Jermaine Aluminor. There's or excuse me about Thayer Munford, um, especially from the preseason but I don't think he's quite ready to be starting just yet. I think he still has some some flaws that he needs to work on in pass protection. Again, kind of similar. You'll hear me talk about it a lot with a lot of offensive linemen with his feet a little bit. And again, it's not like he's didn't show anything. It was just kind of flashes and and reps where he was getting beat a little bit with his uh, with a little bit slower footwork. And then against the run, he wasn't quite as uh, impressive as you would have liked, or as I should say, as a run blocker, he wasn't quite as impressive as you would have liked in the preseason. But he's definitely got potential. I mean, it's definitely you know if you're Jermaine Illuminor, you can't get too comfortable at the right tackle spot because there, Munford is coming. He's developing, um, and he's definitely ahead of schedule as a seventh round pick. You know, I don't think they're we can go around a 31 other teams. I don't think that we're going to be talking about a lot of their seventh round no. picks starting.
1: But, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, you
0: know, I don't know if that says more about uh, Munford or more about the the Raiders' right tackle situation. But yeah, I mean, he is a guy that is starting to look like a seal. I if I were gonna place of value on him now i think he'd, he'd be scooting up into the fourth or fifth round with where he's at in his progression um definitely ahead of schedule which is obviously something you want to have from a guy that they got almost before the draft was over i believe
1: yeah and i wasn't Either really surprised either to see Britton Brown after I had seen him perform in the preseason kind of rise above a level that I thought he would be performing at being a seventh rounder but then Britton Brown comes out and just electrifies what he does on the field as well so he was really impressive when you see these seventh rounders go in and the, the new Raiders brass obviously backing them and supporting them as being part of the roster what does that tell tell you is it more about the players and and the levels that they have put out on the field or is it more of the brass saying we are going to stand behind these guys and work them as developmental prospects for what we see as the future of this team
0: i think it speaks to the players i mean you talk about guys that are in seventh round like Britton brown you know i i think i left him off my 53 man projection obviously i was wrong on that just because i didn't think the math was going to work out in his favor with how many running backs the raiders um uh exactly. that stood out for the raiders this preseason. But I think it speaks to him. Cause I mean, if you think about it, especially with the expanded practice squad ever since the COVID years, like there's been plenty of ways to to get a seventh round pick or develop a seventh round pick that doesn't include putting him on the 53 man roster. I, I mean as great of a preseason as as Britton Brown had, I still have a feeling he probably isn't going to get claimed off of waivers um just because he's not as high profile of a back as you know some other guys like a guy like Alex Leatherwood who's a first round pick. Uh but you know, again, I think that just speaks to speaks to how much he's grown, speaks to what he did in the offseason and the pre-draft workouts to really hone his game in and get better to be able to actually make the squad and um be able to be in a position where, like you said, he can be developed, but he also doesn't have to do the the typical development for someone who was drafted where he was, um, which is on the 53 man, get a nice little pay bump too, or keep your pay pay, I should say, and uh uh and all that good stuff.
1: I think a lot of people were surprised by there being six total when you count uh, Jakob Johnson, as well as the fullback being on that running back depth chart So for you, who was the biggest surprise that you saw on this Raiders 53 man roster? Of course, it's kind of, you know, initial, they're going to make some changes, and it'll be a fluid situation, but who for you was the biggest surprise?
0: I think it's going to have to come down to two and they're both DBs. the first one. And I'm probably going to butcher his name. So please correct me, Heidi, if I am, is it okay. Isaiah Paul Is that, am I saying that right?
1: Hopefully I have it right. But gotcha. as far as I understand, it's Isaiah Paul
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm glad I got that part right a little bit, but yeah, he was a guy that, um, not necessarily anything that he did wrong or anything. He just didn't stand out quite as much to me as I, as, uh, as someone who was going to make the roster. And I thought, uh, Matthias Farley might get the nod over him, ended up seeing from Vic, uh, Vic at the athletic, that Matthias Farley ended up getting injured and that might have been what cost him, the, cost him the roster spot. So he was kind of definitely one of the bigger surprises to me. He was a guy I had pegged on the practice squad. And then uh, the other one I'd say would be um, Sam Webb, uh, just because of the way that it all unfolded. The Trayvon Mullen uh, trade seemed to come out of just about nowhere. Everybody's focusing on what the Raiders are going to do with uh, with Leatherwood, and they end up trading their their starting corner, so I think I just didn't see him on the team again. Another guy where I didn't think the math quite would work out, so he'd be the two guys. Uh, those would be the two guys that kind of I was surprised by. Both guys again, like I said, I thought might be Brack on the practice squad. I just didn't think they would make the active roster. So definitely two two more guys that obviously did enough for them to feel comfortable getting rid of a couple of veterans. And you know, like you were talking about before, a great testament to both those guys putting the work in.
1: And as we start to look at what could start to happen with this roster, of course, there's time for the Raiders if they wanted to make their own moves. Would you anticipate at this point with only eight offensive linemen in their depth chart that you would be looking perhaps at adding another maybe veteran right tackle or just more offensive line depth or help at this point? What do you think their next move could be as uh, they start to look and sift through what they have on their roster?
0: Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised they haven't already, even if it's not even necessarily one of the bigger names that we've been talking about before talking about for most of the off season and a guy like a Daryl Williams or anything like that. I'm just surprised they haven't added anyone. I thought for sure they would have, you know, especially when they only kept eight, I thought for sure they would have um, brought somebody in at this point and thought we'd hear news uh, faster than we have. But I think part of the problem is just the market's not there. You know, we talk I've talked about with Daryl Williams, the, you look at a couple of the right tackles and that have signed like even late in the camp, they're still getting, you know, seven, eight figure salaries that I don't know if the Raiders are willing to pay. And especially if that's what he's looking for, I don't know if they, they end up making that deal. Um, And unfortunately I didn't see too many guys that uh, got waived that were, you know, notable names that I think uh, would have, would come in and, uh, you know, can, can say if they'd be the surefire starter at right tackle anyway. So, the market, unfortunately, has not been kind to of the Raiders all offseason as it goes to the right tackle, whether it be in free agency or in the draft, which I guess you could say that the draft was part of their undoing and getting me up the, the their first two picks. But yeah. I think everybody in America would make that trade for a guy like Devontae Adams. But, um, yeah, it's just been a tough offseason where it's been a lot of stuff where it feels like the cards just have not fallen in place for the Raiders this year so far. But hopefully Luminor and, uh, like we were talking about, our seventh-round pick, um, uh, Thayer Munford, can get the job done.
1: So just lastly, Matt, as you start to look here at this entire roster um, with the Trade now of Trayvon Mullen. Were you also kind of did that one raise your eyebrows or Trayvon Mullen going to the Cardinals? Because that was something I actually wasn't expecting. I thought that he would be a good piece in the secondary after getting healthy. But maybe he just kind of lost his looks when you talked about Sam Webb and the production that he's put out. Uh, maybe by losing some of the ability to be on the field and healthy, those guys kind of took over. What would you think uh, about what happened here with Trayvon Mullen?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it, um, at least partially, uh, right on, right on the head. Where you know the the old saying of your best ability is availability, and Trayvon Mullen in the last year, two years, really year and a half, however you want to slice it up, um, just hasn't been available. And the thing, the read I got in that situation was, I just felt like the coaching staff and front office, the new regime, just didn't really think Trayvon Mullen had much potential to get better. And part of what leads me to that is. You know, I go back and look at his career as a rookie, he showed promise. He was a solid player. You know, he so was someone who we felt like if he could grow and develop, he could really take take over, control, and be like a, a good starting corner for the Raiders moving forward. Year two, I don't wouldn't say he necessarily regressed, he just didn't take that step forward that I think everybody was waiting for. And then last year was just basically injured all of the year, all year, ended up coming back, re-aggravating the injury. And then had surgery in what was it mid to late June, which which was the same injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, that tells me that he's a guy that, you know, during the off season, he wasn't able to necessarily train to get better. He was just training to rehab and get back on the field. So again, you look at the whole, his whole career trajectory, that doesn't seem like a guy that has a ton of potential to grow. And he was going to be a free agent in the off season. So. I think it kind of made sense for the the new coaching staff, especially if they felt confident in a guy like Sam Webb and even Anthony Averett, I think that speaks volumes to what he's doing. I think that obviously, um, you know, if they were comfortable getting rid of Trayvon Mullen and getting rid of him, you know, on cutdown day, that tells me that Anthony averett has been been playing pretty well in in training camp and the coaching staff feels confident making him the the third cornerback. And of course, Nate Hobbs too. Who it sounds like he's going to have a very much expanded role, um, playing both inside yeah. and outside corner. So, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see because obviously, uh, all but Hobbs the of the starting corners are are gone from last year. So,
1: yeah, this will be interesting to see how it all shakes out once they all get out on the field. New offense, new defense, new people on the field. We will <laughs> see how it all shakes up. And Matt, before I let you go, let everybody know where they can find your work and where they can find you on social media.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can find all my written work over on or all my written Raiders work over on silverblackpride.com Like you mentioned before, on the Bleacher Report scouting team. So during the NFL draft time, I have a have a bunch of scouting reports over out there on Bleacher Report um, to get all my stuff uh, all in one place. Just follow me on Twitter, Adam Holder 95. Like I said, usually posting, uh, usually posting some film clips and obviously all my articles and all that good stuff. So definitely appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you coming on the show today and joining me. And I thank you again. And we're going to take a quick break right here. And everybody, when I come back, I'm going to be joined by the Silver and Black Panther, who's going to talk about his Salute to Kindness program. So stay tuned right here on the takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Welcoming to the takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast now is Raider Reggie. You know, Miss Silver and Black Panther. I'm really happy to have you on today, Reggie, because we are going to talk all about Salute to Kindness. We have that program going on. First of all, let everybody know what Salute to Kindness is.
3: So Salute to Kindness is a nonprofit organization that we started in the sense of with the with the initiative of rewarding veterans and others for uh, random acts of kindness so it was like we hear about certain people doing something and maybe now and then you might hear about them getting an award or a trophy or something like that but we wanted to specifically uh, point out some of the veterans that was doing it and me being a veteran myself I felt Just drawn in. And so I became a board member over here. So we started doing uh, the actual Salute to Kindness Awards and we do those in November. And uh, last year was our first one because of COVID and all of that. But last year we did it uh, November 13th out in uh, Vallejo. Okay,
1: Vallejo, California. Yeah, I am familiar. Home of Marine World, which no longer exists, yeah, am I right? Really?
3: Yeah. The original home, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, man. So yeah, as you talk about the program and the initiative and what it's done, just uh, how many people have you been able to reach out to so far to help get people to the game and to help, like you were mentioning, the veterans uh, be able to take advantage of this program?
3: What's really crazy is last year... I believe we were on your show. It was yeah. like October, November, sometime when we, we first started talking. Robert called in and we got to bring him to the game. Thanks to EK Raider, Mr. Eric. He he helped us get him there. And it's like this. This is something I've been saying. Once something is started and people could actually see the benefit of it or actually see it actually happen, they want to jump in. So last year, we had, I believe it was a total of six, six beneficiaries, recipients that got to go to the game. This year alone, in preseason, we've already had like fifteen <laughs> that's like last week versus uh, New England, yeah, a total of nine people at that wow. game. Wow I know it's only preseason. But I think, again, people see the results of it and they actually see that it's a legitimate 501C3 as well as as they get to see. Most of the time we bring the recipients to the game to the night before where we do the meet and greets. Okay. People get to see each other and they physically get to see them in person, you know. That's great. the, The recipient.
1: So, yeah and this is something you spoke as being a, a co-founder how um how did this program go from just being an idea to being founded who are you working with as well
3: so mr reggie simmons uh we have some board members and i'm not the co-founder of this particular okay uh non-profit i have my own called Be kid fit and we'll talk about that another time but um Myself and a couple of people here in Las Vegas are acquaintances of Reggie Simmons. Okay. And I was supposed to do some things with them back before COVID. And when COVID happened, of course, every everything that had something to do with large groups of people pretty much got canceled. So the idea behind Salute to Kindness was already established and we were already trying to make some type of event and the fact that I'm here in Las Vegas, I was like, I wanna to try to bring that here. I know it's headquartered in California, but since I'm here in Vegas, I wanna try some kind of way to bring the same concept here. And I, I do a lot of work with veterans out here. Um, there's an organization called Forgotten I Gone. And I'm pretty much with them 24 seven. Whenever I can be with them, I'm out there. It's a bunch of veterans. We get together to try to support each other. And, you know, a lot of us have depression and things like that. And so I'm always trying to find a way to support veterans. And it don't always necessarily have to be a specific veteran either. Mm -hmm. Because, mind you, I'm a veteran. And part of my uh, conquering of depression and suicidal uh, awareness and all these different things come from me helping people. So I'm helping myself when I help these people. I mean, it's amazing to me to see someone not only donate a ticket or donate funds for another group or a person to get to the game, but then when I see that person at the game and I see how much joy it has for them, it's it's incredible, (laughs) unbelievable.
1: You're literally, I think, at every game uh, as Silver and Black (laughs) Panther. For you, what's it like to have this team now in Las Vegas? Because I know that you do also reside here.
3: Insane. So I moved here in Las Vegas originally back in 2003. And when the crash happened in 2008, I I wasn't a homeowner at the time. So I kind of lost out on the opportunity Mm. Get a home, and then all the foreclosures, right? So then I left overseas, and I came back. And when I came back, I was debating: Do I go to California where my family is? Yeah. Or do I come back to Vegas and try to become a homeowner? Because that, to me, that was my opportunity. Yeah. And I decided to come here, and I literally uh, I came out and visited first. And then I put in a uh, couple of jobs and stuff like that. And I came back to Vegas on a temporary job. My wife left a job working with the Santa Clara County. Okay. (laughs) She left the county. Those are
1: good jobs too. I know. I know those are good jobs. (laughs) A lot of
3: people was like, what are you doing? But guess (laughs) what? My temp temp job, I was a contractor for Clark County. And I was here for three months. And my wife came back. She came to stay three months after I was here. And guess who hired her? Clark County. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I was here. I came back That's in great. June of 16. So, you know, the buzz was going that the yeah. Raiders going to uh, San Antonio or back to L.A. And I was like, no. And man, when they announced they were coming to Las Vegas, I was already coming up with the character Silver and Black Panther before Vegas. But when they announced it, I went to our draft that we had back in 2017, uh-huh. Silver and Black Panther for the first time in Las Vegas. People didn't know how to act, really. They they didn't, you know, they didn't really take to it so quick. But Man, since then it's been a hundred miles a minute.
1: <laughs> have you uh, come up with something like you know, in um, the Marvel comic Black Panther, they have Wakanda forever? Do you have like Raiders forever? Or something oh, like
3: that? so everybody always <laughs> do that, right? Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. always say Wakanda, whatever, <laughs> and then I'll tell them Raider Nation forever.
1: <laughs> there you go, there you go, for life. <laughs> <laughs> right now, what is the thing you're looking forward to most when the Raiders take the field here at Allegiant or even in, with the Chargers? game on September
3: 11th man I I, I wasn't ready for the season to be honest I had all these plans going out of town and stuff like that so I won't even be here for the home opener but for that game in LA I'm expecting Raider Nation to stand up black that stadium out that's our other home you know what I'm saying that's our home in our backyard you know what I mean (laughs) So I'm expecting some really awesome play. The one area everybody knows the being in the offensive line. I'm hoping some type of tweak or something happens to where we at least be formidable on the line. Cause other than that, the weapons we got, I'm like itching. I don't even know how to act. It's crazy. I, can't I tell you.
1: Play. Your excitement is infectious, as is your <laughs> willingness to help others and to bring all of this to fruition with Salute to Kindness. Really looking forward to seeing what happens with that program this year. That's why I wanted to bring you on to let people know about it. Where can they sign up or where can they find Salute to Kindness and kind of work with you on this program if they're interested?
3: Oh, so it's pretty easy. Uh, salute kindness.com uh, you go there, and one of the first uh, banners that you will see is the Get Them to the Game banner, and you could click on that, and it'll take you in where you could fill out um, a donation, an uh, in-kind donation, but also you could suggest someone that might want to become a recipient as well, and that's something I'm trying to explain to a lot of people, too. It's not just about giving a ticket, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of people say, how do I get the ticket, how to... No, you could support us by giving us some information about someone that might need a ticket. Uh, We do this all over the country. The Raiders just happen to be my team. And, you know, the Raider Nation stands up every time. That's why every time you hear me talk, I'm talking about the Nation. I love the Raiders, but I love Raider Nation. And so you could go on there, do an in-kind donation. You could also uh, make a suggestion for who might be a recipient. And we do this for any team, any sport, anywhere. If you have tickets to a concert, some uh, lucky fan might get the opportunity to be at that concert that they probably would have never had the chance if no one donated.
1: And I am excited for the program to come all together this year again for the 2022 season and looking forward to seeing silver and black Panther out there at all the games. It's always a pleasure. It makes somebody feel good. And that's why that's what we're doing here. We're spreading the kindness and I appreciate you coming on my podcast today. Reggie. uh, Let everyone know too, where they can give you a follow. Hey,
3: you know, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm the silver and black Panther on Twitter or global Raider nation but also on IG which they deleted my silver and black panther ah, no but yeah but why gonna, copyright yeah. infringement <laughs> no you know cuz i i actually have authorization to to use my character i cleared wow. a long time ago so it wasn't that but whatever it is we are global raider nation all one okay. word global raider nation on twitter and on uh TikTok. I'm always putting stuff on TikTok. I actually do some dead stuff. You know Oh, I,
1: I gotta get into this TikTok days. thing. I do. I I started a thing, I don't even know my username anymore. I gotta figure it out. I i signed up and then I forgot about it. And yeah. then I went and signed up again. It's like that name is taken. I Ain't was like that oh. how we
3: do it. that <laughs> I thought I, I had even... a problem with my password, but come to find out, they deleted my whole oh, thing. Oh
1: man. So it's all good.
3: But make you a campaign, can get come find back. me at J-Lot. Even when I'm not, yes. if I don't have tickets to the game, I will be in J-Lot. I come to support the tailgate and, and hang out with the Black Hole and the rest of Raider Nation. So come on down. And I always say this, if you cannot get a ticket to the game, Pull up on the uh, tailgate, hang out at the tailgate, and then go watch the game somewhere else. Believe me, go. it's worth it. It's they even
1: got it. screens out there. There's people with yeah. screens out there. You, you can stay in now? the stay in the J lot. Hang <laughs> hey, <It's> out. The- <laughs>
3: It's getting a little bit of of Oakland in it, you know. There you
1: go. There you go. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Raider Reggie, Silver and Black Panther. Salute to kindness. Go check it out, everybody. Also, that'll do it for all of my guests today. I would like to thank Matt Holder as well as Reggie for coming on the show again. And everybody, keep up with all that we're doing on VegasNation.com. I'm Heidi Fang. Thank you so much for listening.